0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. To, where are we? We are in Exploring the Lord of the Rings, and this is session number 271, uh, and we are at the end. This is the last session on the Council at the Knees of Karathras, uh, because the Council at the Knees of Karathras is just about to be ended very abruptly. Uh, so um, we're going to uh, have a good time looking at that. Now, first, before I... Um, uh, before we get into the end of the council here, um, <laughs> Björning says, "Yeah, you heard. I almost did two slides last time. Yeah, it's totally true, um, and um, it's totally true. And in fact, tonight I have a I have a cheat code for two slides tonight. Wait till you see. Um, we're totally doing two slides tonight. Asterisk. But um, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, first, let me make a quick announcement. Next week." On Thursday, the 24th of August, I'm going to be holding a special session at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, uh, it's going to be a Signum University summer update. We've got some exciting things that are happening at Signum University that I want to share with uh, with you guys. So, um, you know, there have been a lot of people who have been following and supporting Signum University and what we've been doing and what we've been working on for many years. Uh, we are coming up to a an important moment, uh, in our history. And I wanted to tell you about what's coming up and what's going on and how you can help. So, um, we're going to be, uh, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about that next Thursday. Um, so that is going to be, um, uh, that, that's going to say 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, on Thursday, the 24th. So, uh, you can, uh, uh, you can find out more about that. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Sorry, I'm seeing that uh, folks are having technical difficulties. Okay, okay. Um, uh, I'm hoping things will more or less smooth themselves out. It looks like things are broadcasting fine on Twitch uh, so and YouTube, so I think we should be okay there, I think. Um, but... Um, Anyhow, okay. Uh, I hope that all is more or less well. Um, yeah, folks on Discord, it might there might be something weird happening with Discord. I'm not really sure. So, okay, good. Long as things are more or less coming through, then we'll be okay. Anyway, so I look forward to sharing with you guys uh, the big stuff that's going on at Signum University. Um, it's been... Uh, it's a, it's a very exciting time. So um, as I say, that's going to be next Thursday evening. So I wanted to make sure uh, to let you guys know about that. a little bit earlier, um, but um, uh, a little bit earlier than my usual broadcast time. But I figure for many of you, that will, will be no bad thing. Um, but um, OK. Anyway, so that is what is happening and coming up soon. Also, we have um, there's going to uh, be. We're beginning to roll into the fall moot season. So um, the uh, our first moot coming up is going to be Cascade Moot in Portland, Oregon in September. Really excited to get. I've never been to Portland before. Really excited. Never been to the Pacific Northwest. Well, I passed through the Pacific Northwest briefly once, um, but that hardly counts. Uh, so looking forward to getting up to Portland, uh, seeing folks in the Pacific Northwest. That's going to be on the 23rd of September. Um, and um, there's still uh, the the call for uh, proposals for presentations. People who want to uh, talk or do something fun, um, lead a discussion uh, or whatever um, at uh, Cascade Moot. That's going to be closing fairly soon. There's still a chance to get involved there. Um, I believe I have heard rumors uh, that we've had so many proposals for New England Moot in October uh, that we're going to have to close those a little bit early. So if you've been thinking about coming to New England Moot and wanted to present or lead discussion or uh, do a performance or something like that at New England Moot, um, I, I would mention that sooner rather than later because we're probably going to be shutting that down, uh, uh fairly soon. So, um, anyway, um, that is, um, uh, those are the, the, and then of course we also have middle moot, uh, coming up right before that. So we, it's, it's going to be October 14th is middle moot out in Iowa. And then October 21st is, um, uh, is new England moot up here in New Hampshire. Um, so anyway, um, Oh cool so 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 glad you just uh, signed up to come back to New England Moot. Um yeah yeah and the, you you still could you can still submit your idea you just have to do it soon because we're going to be we're going to be shutting that down a little bit sooner than expected as i said. So um anyway uh, looking forward to getting back into the it's been uh, it's been a while. It's been uh, you know, we've had uh, we haven't had any moots since Myth Moot in June. So it's now almost two full months since we've had a moot and uh, uh I'm 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 starting to miss folks. Looking forward to another season of moots. A nice long fall moot season this year. We're doing one in December, which we've never done before, uh down in New Orleans at Bayou Moot. So um that'll be uh that'll be a lot of fun. All right. Um let us go on to our final, um, oh, it's the, uh, JJ. Yes. If you sign up for a moot, it should appear on your BlackBerry page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you should be able to get confirmation of that right there on your, on your BlackBerry login page, you know, when you've logged in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, Fizzy Wing, glad you'll be at Cascade Moot. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, uh, Dillard Stoke is asking who originally decided to use the old name Moot for these meetings. That, that was me. I'm pretty sure I, I did that um, way back the first time we did Myth Moot. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I was uh, it was a long time ago now, um, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Hey, Galadriel's hair. Welcome. Good to see you finally. All right. <laughs> glad you. Glad you've caught up. Um. Okay. Let's go to our passage here tonight. Um. Pippin has just said that he doesn't want to go to Moria even once. Remember, he made his sort of semi-flippant. Um. Uh. We had the the sort of bold quasi-flippancy of Pippin, uh, and then the muttered discouragement of Sam as well, right? Gandalf's response, of course not, said Gandalf. Who would, that is, who would want to go to Moria? Rhetorical question, Gimli, rhetorical question. But the question is, who will follow me if I lead you there? I will, said Gimli eagerly. I will, said Aragorn heavily. You followed my lead almost to disaster in the snow, and have said no word of blame. I will follow your lead now, if this last warning does not move you. It is not of the ring, nor of us others, that I am thinking now but of you, Gandalf. And I say to you, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. I will not go, said Boromir, not unless the vote of the whole company is against me. What do Legolas and the little folk say? The ring-bearer's voice surely should be heard." I do not wish to go to Moria, said Legolas. The hobbit said nothing. Sam looked at Frodo. At last Frodo spoke. I do not wish to go, he said, but neither do I wish to refuse the advice of Gandalf. I beg that there should be no vote until we have slept on it. Gandalf will get votes easier in the light of morning than in this cold gloom. How the wind howls! At these words all fell into silent thought. They heard the wind hissing among the rocks and trees, and there was a howling and wailing round them in the empty spaces of the night. Okay. Um, So the first thing that I think is really fascinating about what's going on here in this final portion of the conversation is notice how Gandalf is trying but failing uh, to keep the focus of the conversation on the right question, right? The question is not... He starts off here in this this slide. He starts... He responds to Pippin saying that he doesn't want to go to Moria even once. Um, you know, Aragorn said he didn't want to go in a second time, right? And Pippin says, I don't want to go even once. Um, Gandalf responds to that by saying, of course not. Who would? Right? Nobody wants to get... This, that's not the question, the question is not, "Hey, want to go to Moria? Sound fun? Who's in?" Right? He's like, "That is not the question. The question is, who will follow me if I lead you there? That's the question." Um, Gimli and Aragorn both answer the question. Gimli is not a great is not a great vote here, right? Um, he's you know an encouraging support of Gandalf, but as we've seen, it's not. Um, his willingness to follow Gandalf has a lot to do with where Gandalf is leading, right? Um, and Aragorn squarely and even significantly, right, um, answers the, the question, who will follow me if I lead you there? And Aragorn not only says that he will, but he explains Right, you followed my lead almost to disaster in the snow and have said no word of blame. I will follow your lead now. Um, then he gives his warning. We'll come back to Aragorn's warning. That's, of course, a big deal. Um, it's Boromir who shifts things, right? Um, well, shifts things a little bit. Notice how Boromir. Um, he doesn't exactly say, no, I will not follow you. Right? He, he turns it a little bit. I will not go. Not unless the vote of the whole company is against me. Right? Um, this is, I think, a very diplomatic answer. Um, he is saying no to Gandalf. But, of course, Gandalf has framed the question. Um, Gandalf has framed the question in a... A very, as a sort of a very emotive appeal. Who will follow me if I lead you there? Um, and this says a couple things, right? First of all, I'm going to go. I've been there before. I survived. I'm going to go. Will you come with me? Right? So this is not like I'm sending you. Like I'm going to go first. Right? I will walk into danger. Will you come with me as I walk into danger? Right? Who will follow me if I lead you there? Um... He puts his own reputation, essentially, kind of on the line here. That's the question: Who will follow me if I, I am to, I'm Ganolf's pushing all his chips into the middle of the table, right? Um, if I go, will you come with me? And Boromir pivots. He doesn't say, "I'm not going to follow you." Right. Are you kidding? You don't have that kind of that kind of leverage on me. Right. You you don't have that kind of credit uh, with me. Uh, No, the mere fact that you're staking your reputation on this. Sorry. No, that doesn't affect me. Right. But he doesn't say it divisively like that. Right. He says, I will not go. Not, I will not follow. I will not go. So he says no, and he says no clearly and firmly. But he says no in such a way um, as to uh, not to be absolutely in Gandalf's face. Right? Um, I will not go. It's fairly neutral. Right? Um... Not unless the vote of the whole company is against me. Wait. Um, yeah, as, Matt, as you just said, it's interesting and almost unexpected that this is being put to a vote, given the titles of those who are assembled here. It does not feel like a group who would be natural advocates of democratic principles. No. Um, and but but n- who said it was a vote? Gandalf's question doesn't imply there's gonna be, that this is going to be decided democratically. He sa- his question is, who will follow me if I lead you there? In other words, Gandalf is saying, I'm going. I'm going. The question is, are you going to come with me or not? Right? I will not go. Perfectly valid response to that. Not unless the vote of the whole company is against me. Okay, I guess we're voting now. Right? I, I, I don't think that Gandalf was suggesting a vote. He was saying, we're going, are you with me or not? Now, Boromir isn't wrong that the Ringbearer's voice surely should be heard. Right? I mean, clearly... If there is one demographic who support Gandalf is seeking in this group, it's Frodo, right? It's the ring bearer demographic, right? Um, And uh, so clearly, if Frodo were to respond to Gandalf, and notice how Gandalf does not put Frodo on the spot either. He doesn't say, I'm going, Frodo, are you with me or not? He could do that. Right. He could do that. And he's not doing that. Um, uh, but I think that he has, he is, he is placing it in Frodo's power. He's inviting Frodo. Again, I, I think it is primarily Frodo that he is thinking of when he is going all in on this particular situation. Right. Um, Boromir's implication that the whole company is going to vote. Um, again, I think that there's a, there's a subtle shift that Boromir has introduced here. Um, remember, no bond has been placed on uh, any of the party, right? They're all free to turn back or go wherever they want to go other than to betray them, right, to the enemy. Um, they're all free to do... So if nobody but Aragorn, Frodo, and Sam, and Gimli, of course, uh, come with Gandalf into Moria, um, and I'm not saying that's likely, right, but if if Boromir says, heck no, if Legolas says, heck no, even if Merry and Pippin say that they're out, which seems a little unlikely, but even if they did, right, That doesn't constitute a vote for whether or not we're going through Moria. That merely is a question of, are you still going to be a member of the ring's company or not? Right? Again, it is certainly true that the ring bearer's voice must be heard. And Gandalf has implicitly left Frodo free to choose. Who will follow me if I lead you there? And if the answer is that Frodo will not follow him, then Gandalf's going to have to think of a plan B, clearly. right. But he is telling Frodo pretty firmly. I think that, I mean, this, this is the way that we should be going. It looks bad, but this is the way that we should be going. And he knows that Frodo does trust him. Right. Again, I think that Frodo is the primary audience um, of um, of his question. Who will follow me if I lead you there? Um but um yeah yeah um so i see questions about um whether or not um whether or not this is anachronistic of boromir to call for a vote um no no definitely not first of all voting is an ancient custom. Um, But, uh, but remember there's even, um, they vote for the master of Lake Town. The master of Lake Town is elected, right? That's not the same as Gondor. I know. And Gondor is not exactly a democracy, Um, but it's a thing. Like it's a known thing, the voting, right? Um, But um, also don't forget, um, the actual word vote, is not the word that Boromir said, right? That's the modern English word that is being used to translate the thing that Boromir said in Westron, which doubtless was a very different word, right? Um but um uh, yeah, yeah. Um anyway. Aragorn was almost voted into office in Gondor. What you mean as Throngil? Well, yeah, that's not a vote um uh, that's not a vote uh, situation, right? <laughs> there were no. Um, that was, um, uh, yeah, public acclaim, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, oh, an ending of the the return of the king thrown around that he'd be voted. Yeah, um, it, it's more about acclaimed than. I don't think there were going to be like, you know, polls and stuff like that. Um, uh, it's possible that I'm forgetting the specific passage you're thinking of, uh, Jackie. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly that there was going to be a, um, a sort of a political issue, which of course kind of, which Tolkien keeps in the Thorongil situation, right? Uh, in other words, what happened, what almost happened with Thorongil back in the day when Denethor was young is the thing that Tolkien was thinking of putting into the main plot. Because remember that comes after. That's, that. That storyline does not predate the storyline of The Lord of the Rings he writes the Thorongil story after he writes the Lord of the Rings. Um, so in one of the earlier drafts of the Lord of the Rings, he is going to have, um, this sort of rivalry between Denethor and Aragorn or Boromir and Aragorn in one of the early drafts. Um, and, and have Aragorn basically sort of win, um, by acclaim of the people. Um, so that it was more of a, not exactly a usurpation, but uh, anyway, a, a, a more a rockier political situation um, than the one that he finally decided on. Right, um, and it's interesting because you can see like the the kind of problems, right, the political problems associated with that. Um, you can see he thought about that and he decided not to go there. With the Lord of the Rings story and Aragorn's uh, arrival in in Gondor, um, and but you can see that he still kind of thinks about those problems instead, projected those problems backwards and had Aragorn avoid the problems actively. Right. Um. But um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anyway. But let's get back to the main point here. I do think that Boromir is making an an interesting little move here. Remember that this whole conversation has seen Boromir acting differently than we've ever seen seen him acting before. And I don't mean he's showing corruption by the ring. I mean, he's just about had it. (laughs) He's been super polite. He's been super patient. He's not been critical. He's been a really good soldier. Um, we've seen him standing on his tongue and not saying anything when he could have until the last minute of the whole, like, what about fire? Maybe, maybe we should start a fire now before we all freeze to death. What, you know, what do we say to that? Um, you know, those times when he's waiting until, you know, beyond a reasonable point uh, to make any suggestions. And then he puts himself forward to help dig them out of the snow, um, but does so in a self-deprecating, you know, sort of way, which does not, you know, glamorize himself and all this stuff. But the moment when he steps forward just a couple slides ago, right, just earlier in this same conversation and says, I don't understand all this um, and speaks against Gandalf for the first time, right, proposes an alternate plan, doesn't say Gandalf, your plan is insane, and all of your plans so far have kind of sucked, right? Um, So can we please finally do something sensible um, and take, like, the perfectly good road to Minas Tirith that, like, my people built, right? There's literally a highway, right, to Minas Tirith that we could go. It's not far, right? I know where it is. We can get there, and we can ride the highway into Minas Tirith. Nobody else thinks this is not a good idea. I mean, like, right, so... We saw him go there. And again, even there, he's not being aggressive. He's not being a jerk. But he is finally, for the first time, uh, uh, explicitly speaking against, uh, offering an alternative to Gandalf's plan. Right? And here, what he does is, um, now that this looks, I mean, from all he can see, this is... Like some, the final disaster, right? I mean, it is the best argument that Gandalf can come up with in support of his crazy idea to go through Moria is that the enemy least expects us to go that way. we I'm sure he least expects us to throw ourselves off a cliff, too. Does that mean we're going to do that? Um, anyway, he's... Boromir doesn't get it. Bormir has not been on board with that whole thing, um, with the whole, you know, Operation Estelle, um, where we just kind of follow Providence and do, you know, and don't, uh, don't allow rational estimation of our probability of success to enter into the calculations at any point, right? That's been pretty much Gandalf and Elrond's um, approach, and he's not cool with it, right? Um. yes, exactly, Josh I think that's exactly it uh, Boromir only gets close to insistent when the alternative is literal suicide yeah, I mean, that's, yes, yes um, uh, so what I think, what I hear him doing here this is very gentle but it's the most aggressive thing that he's done it's clever. It's subtle. But he, turned, he has turned Gandalf's question very importantly. I am going. Who will come with me? Who will follow me if I lead? To... Great. So Gandalf has called a vote. Let's all vote. Who wants to go into Moria? Raise your hand. Who wants not to? And I'm going to just tell you in advance, I'm voting against going into Moria. Okay. Right. Now, come, let's... What do Legolas and the Little folks say? Right? Vote up, people! Um, are we going to get enough votes to vote down Gandalf's dumb plan? Right? Um, and, um... Again, I don't think that was ever the intention. Um... Yeah, Forth Dauntless, I agree, um... Boromir's question is basically, who will stay with me if I remain behind? Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, But notice also, there's another clever thing that Boromir says here. I will not go, not unless the vote of the whole company is against me. Notice what he's saying there. If everyone else here wants to go, wants to follow Gandalf, I won't abandon you. I'm not just going to take my ball and go home, right? This is not me just backing out. This is not me giving up. This is not me abandoning you, right? This is me taking a stand to say, I really don't think we should do this, right? Not only do I not agree to go along to follow Gandalf if he leads us there, but I'm offering an alternative and I'm, uh, I'm canvassing for votes, in support of that alternative, right? But if everybody's gonna follow Gandalf, I'll come too. I'll come too. Um, yeah. Um, so he's not making an absolute stand. He's, this is not a rebellion, it's not a coup exactly but it's kind of a a gentle invitation to a coup right i mean if frodo and the hobbit if the hobbit block votes with boromir here right um cuz you know gandalf's said what he said gimli and aragorn already voted right okay so that's 3 that leaves 6 of them boromir and five others boromir legolas and the little folk right the other people that he calls on So when he votes no, (coughs) it's one to three. But, you know, clearly the Hobbit block is, um, uh, yeah, and woe by agree. I suspect he does believe that the Hobbit block is going to follow Frodo, right? Um, Which is why he advocates for the ring bearer. But notice what this, I I think he, I mean, with the possible exception of Legolas, the, the hobbits are gonna go with Frodo. So wherever Frodo decides, should Frodo decide to follow Gandalf, the other hobbits are gonna to go too, and then it's probably gonna be eight to one, at best seven to two, right? So there's a very real possibility that the vote of the whole company is gonna be against him, and he knows that, right? He acknowledges that. Um and agrees. Like, should that happen, like, no hard feelings. I'll come along. Right. Um. But I am going to solicitously seek. I am going to speak up for the rights of the ring bearer to be heard. Right? This is not Gandalf's decision. Frodo, you decide. I'm going to provide you an alternative. You could come with me and go what I would like to call the sensible route. Right? I.e. not going into the Black Pit. How about we not go into the Black Pit? Right? Um, as I say, it's not just sort of his politeness here, but this is, this is really adroit how he's turned this. He's not confronted Gandalf. He's not rebelling, but he's, this is the, um, the most, should he pull this off, right? If Frodo were to say... Yeah, no way. Like Gandalf thanks and everything, but like no way. I'm not going to Moria. I think Boromir's right. I think we should go to the Gap of Rohan instead. Then um uh you know, then Boromir went th- th- then what happens? Now Boromir's kind of in charge, isn't he? Right? Now they're following Boromir's lead. Everybody who goes. And the question then would become who will follow Boromir if he goes to the Gap of Rohan, right? Um, That's... So Boromir has arranged the possibility, not of a coup, right? He's not overthrowing anybody. He's not undercutting anybody. He's... um, But he's creating a situation in which he can allow... The company of the ring and the ring bearer in particular. To choose, if the if the ring bearer cho- the ring bearer were to choose that he wants to follow Boromir, Boromir's not going to say no, right? This is what he does. This is what he does, um. But see, Jackie, he's not breaking up the fellowship, not yet anyway, right? He's not breaking up the fellowship. At least he would have no reason to think that he was, right? To divine it, if he were to just draw the line and say, "I'm not going, no matter what. I don't care," um, he says, "If the vote of the whole company is against me, I'll come." And he doesn't say that, but he's you know he says he won't go unless the vote of the whole company is against me, which implies that he will go if the vote of the whole company is against him. He's so he's not saying our fellowship breaks right here. He says, "I'm offering an alternative." Suggestion for how this company should be led, right? Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not asking you to vote out Gandalf. I'm not, he notice he's not even said a word of criticism, not of direct criticism, anyway, right? Um, but, um, yeah, and he came pretty close to it in earlier on in this conversation, um. But, um... Yeah, yeah. Now, Justin, I agree with you. We don't get any sense of how Boromir says this, like his tone. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I feel implies he's being fairly level-headed in how he's articulating this argument. I agree. Um, I mean, you could imagine these lines being delivered in different ways, right? I mean, you could imagine an actor delivering these lines angrily. I will not go! Not unless I'll, you know... Like, you could totally snarl this and make it sound like a threat. Um... But honestly, that doesn't really seem to me to fit, right? Um, I mean, the ring bearer's voice surely should be heard. I mean, I guess you could put, you could say that in like a sarcastic tone of voice or something like that. But um, the whole thing reads very levelly. I will not go, not unless the vote of the whole company is against me, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, So no, I think that that's, I think that's important. And, and... Yes, Bjorning, I agree with you um, about Jackie's comment. We know that Boromir is ultimately going to be breaking the fellowship, right? Um, we're not there yet, but we can see Boromir's been, Boromir's been a problem from the beginning, right? What is fascinating to me is to look at it and to try to understand better what kind of a problem he is. He's not a problem because he's, you know, lusting for the ring, obviously, from the very beginning. He's not a problem because he's a jerk. He's not a problem because he is undermining the leadership of Gandalf and Aragorn. He's been awesome, but he's a problem, and he's been a problem. He's been a problem since he blew his horn, right? Literally before they set out from Rivendell, Boromir's been a problem. Um, And every time he speaks up, he's... Gently, thoughtfully, politely, uh, causing problems in some ways, right? Um, but I think that what Tolkien shows us here is Boromir's perspective is a perfectly sensible perspective. Boromir's reactions to what Gandalf is doing, Boromir gives us a, um, you know, sort of a counter-perspective on everything that's going on here. Not in the sense of somebody who's against the stuff, right? Who's who's against things. But gives us a counter-perspective of somebody who just, who does not follow the direction of Gandalf and Elrond's thinking, which they know. To be counterintuitive. They know. Gandalf means it. Gandalf and Elrond talk about that it's going it appears to be folly, what they're doing. Um, Gandalf says, let folly be our cloak, right? Um, and that's real, right? It really does look like folly. Boromir helps us to see that. Right? He reminds us of not how an enemy would look at things, but how a, a sensible, responsible, good-thinking uh, person with strong leadership and true dedication to the cause of the good guys, how this whole situation is going to look to somebody like that, who doesn't see it, who doesn't buy into Operation Folly Cloak, Right? um uh yeah yeah um but um but yeah so i mean i don't think i don't think that boromir i don't think that he's doing damage here yet but i think it's important for us to so there are several reasons why it's important for us to see the friction Between Boromir's whole perspective, whole worldview, and Gandalf's, and even Aragorn's here. Um, And I think uh, by perceiving this, this will bear fruit in several ways. One, we will have a much richer understanding of where Boromir is coming from at the end. Um, how and why do Boromir fall exactly? Um the answer to that, I think, is so much more interesting and nuanced than it is often treated. Um, and we really begin to see it. Even um I like the way that Boromir is handled in the films. And I love the culmination of the Boromir story and the way they handle Boromir's death scene in the films. It's one of my favorite adaptation moments in all of the Peter Jackson films. But at the same time, what they do with the ring in the films is consistently and openly, I guess it's not me trying to, um, you know, diminish what they did... But they treat it like it's just an addictive substance, like it's some kind of airborne heroin or something. Right. Um, I mean, we can see like the way that, you know, remember how like Sean Bean is doing that, like, no, I, I must turn away kind of thing. Right. That like just that that kind of really visceral, you know, drug addict kind of reaction that everybody has who's drawn to the ring in the films like that's the way they depict the ring influence. That's not how Tolkien depicts the ring influence in the book. Again, it's fine. It's interesting, the way that that comes across. That conveys some interesting things in the films. But that's not how it's described in the books. So what does lead to Boromir's fall? How does he get there? What exactly is his trajectory? And how does the ring operate on him? And therefore, by the way, corollary, how does the ring operate? Full stop, right? What do we learn about the ring? By looking at um, the... um, uh, the, the you know, the, the operation of the of the ring in Boromir's case, right? Um, anyway, so that's one way in which I think looking at Boromir uh, like this and, and trying to appreciate his perspective is going to pay off. Another th- way is that it's going to set up Denethor in some really important ways. Denethor is not the same as Boromir, um, but we are prepared for Denethor by Boromir here. Right. And if we, again, pay attention carefully to the actual state, the actual frame of mind in which Boromir approaches things, we will have a much I, I believe we will have a much readier access to understanding Denethor's frame of mind. Denethor's frame of mind. Denethor is not the same person as Boromir. Um, he already has some issues that Boromir does not seem to have developed Right. So there are going to be issues that are going to be different with him. And then, of course, you have the entire fact of his grief for Boromir as well. Denethor's grief for Boromir also, you know, sort of colors the whole thing. But again, the more we can understand Boromir's whole framework here throughout this entire book, book two, um, we will be better prepared to understand Denethor when we get there. Um, and, of course, the third thing is understanding and appreciating better um, Gandalf and Elrond and Frodo and Sam's perspectives here. Um, often, when people ask me questions, um, the kinds of questions... Um, so, a lot of t- Sometimes. Sometimes when people ask me Tolkien questions... The question that they're asking me, and there can be various versions of this, and it can be on many different kinds of topics or moments in the book. But um, but but a, a sort of subcategory of questions, um, prevalent subcategory of questions I get asked by people, um, boiled down to this thing in the book seems like a plot hole to me. Can you Can you explain to me that it isn't a plot hole, right? Can you, can you, can you, you know, is it a plot hole or is it not, do you think? Right. Um, And there, again, there are lots of, um, lots of different um, moments that kind of inspire that sort of question. Um, When I get that species of question um, concerning, like, the strategy, Gandalf's strategy for the ring and destroying the ring, um, most of the reasons that I see people stumbling over it, like it just not, it feeling like a plot hole or something, is that they are, yes, exactly, as, as several of you are alluding to, the whole why didn't the eagles fly the ring to mortar is it is the the most famous example of that kind of question, right? But I'm not thinking about that specifically. What I'm thinking of is, again, when <sighs> a lot of times the questions that people have about this, especially about like Gandalf and why they would do what they're doing and sending Frodo, uh, you know, to Mount Doom and um, everything else. Um, A lot of the premise of those questions are basically like, they start with the assumption that Gandalf and Frodo are doing what they're doing because they believe it gives them the best chance, right? And so a lot of people get puzzled, and they're like, this just doesn't seem smart. This seems like, a, like you know, Tolkien's kind of... Like, they have a really weak plan, and Tolkien kind of railroads it to success, right? Um, and, and I hear that. Like, I, I, I totally understand how people can read the book and, and think that, Right. But again, this is, I think, that third payoff for really seeing, watching closely Boromir's perspective throughout book two, is it helps us to understand what Gandalf's actually do. Because it's not that, right? Truly, if, if the presumption, if, the, if the, the, um, the initial assumption that Gandalf does what he does because he believes it's the best and smartest plan, right, um, if that were true then, yeah, I have, I have problems with the plot, right? Um, but that's not, uh, we see clearly. In opposition, in particular, to Boromir, we see more clearly that's never the plan at all. Um, and if we think that way, we're missing the point. And we're missing the point in a very similar way to the way that Boromir is not getting it right? If we think like Boromir, and it's natural for us to do so. Boromir, there is a sense in which this opposing voice of Boromir throughout the journey of the company from Rivendell down to Rauros, um, the opposing voice of Boromir is, is like the voice of the people, right? Boromir is almost like our representative. Like, wait, I don't, get it. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing, why didn't we bring Gorfindel again? Still kind of seems like a good idea, right? I mean, like from the beginning, right? All of, all of that stuff. Um, and, um, that's, it's important, I think. I think there's a reason. I, th- I think it's the reason that we do get Boromir's voice so persistently. Notice how much more regularly we hear what Boromir has to contribute to these discussions than we do what Legolas has to contribute. Legolas, by the way, also probably the leader of armies, right? He's the also son of a lord, right, of a ruling lord um, who probably leads armies in the field, just like Boromir, right? I mean, they're in kind of parallel position, politically speaking, right? Probably militarily speaking as well. Legolas also used to, probably used to being in command, right? Um, but we don't hear from him, right? We just, we just hear from Boromir all the time. Um, and very few conversations happen in which Boromir doesn't have his say, right? Again, he's like the voice of the people. Um, But, um, and Bjornason, that's exactly right. I, I, I think, though, again, we don't really know for sure what Legolas is thinking. Um, but I agree with you that it is very likely that Legolas is down with the quest as a whole in a way that Boromir very much isn't. Yes, I suspect so. Um, in the sense, Bjornason, at least the way that I would describe that is that when Gandalf and Elrond at the council start, Talking about Estelle and, um, you know, the way that the wheels of the world are moved and things like that. He speaks that language in ways that Boromir does not. Right. From a like theological. He's he's got that framework. Right. Um, As an elf, he has this not to say that all elves are going to, you know, be perfectly in accord with this. Um, but, um, but he speaks that language in a way that Boromir does not speak that language. Um, and in which I have to think at the end of the council, again, we talked about this before. He didn't say anything. Boromir didn't say anything. Like it was clear he was not going to, he was going to be outvoted. Right. So he doesn't speak up at the end of the council of Elrond and say, I do not understand all this. Right. Um, he just keeps his mouth shut at that point but um but it's pretty clear that he is not picking up what Gandalf and Elrond are putting down whereas I suspect that Legolas really was um but um yeah <laughs> Bjorning you're right uh as a native as a native speaker of Cinderin Legolas literally speaks the language of Omdir and Estel. yes exactly um Boromir only knows it as a second language and likely imperfectly, which is borne out by his actions. That is lovely. He would speak Sindarin as a second language. Right. Um, but, um, but, yeah, it is not his native language. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, good. Okay. Um, oh, I saw some t- uh, some of you were talking before about whether or not, or to, or to what extent, Boromir's calling the hobbits the little folk is condescending. or um, Like, does, does this betray some kind of, uh, uh, you know, like a patronizing attitude towards the hobbits in some way? I don't... Is he belittling them? Well, technically killed all the way. He kind of is. Um, but in his defense, they are little. Like, he's not wrong. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> right. Mudmore, right, he doesn't go so far as to suggest that they each only should get half a vote. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and yes, that's uh, there are two reasons for this. One, Lupita, as you say, they do call humans the big folk. Uh, and I'm sure he has heard the hobbits use that phrase, right? And as Trifle says, and somebody else was just saying this before Silk Westgate, um, they call them that in Bree as well. Um, and uh, uh, and again, it doesn't seem... Um, I I don't get any sense either in the way it's used or received by the Hobbits in Brie that, um, you know, about the Hobbits in Bree or by the Hobbits in Bree, um, it doesn't seem... I, 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 I don't think there's strong evidence to suggest um, that we're... Again, it, I, I, I think it's an important question because what is the... What is Tolkien kind of implying to us about Boromir's attitude towards the hobbits is a perfectly is a good question not just a valid question it's a good question to be asking here but I don't think we have enough evidence just from his use of the phrase little folk to conclude that he's being condescending or belittling towards the hobbits I again mean, literally he is but um um but again they call him big folk he calls them little folk i i uh um he could just say hobbit, but very few people do actually. Like hobbit is a weird word; like that's a that's not a language in his vo- word in his vocabulary. Um, uh, he could call them halflings, of course, but um, yeah, hobbit is a hobbit term. It's only the hobbits who call them hobbits, um, so I, he'd be unlikely to use the word hobbit here. Um, Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that with the Rohirrim, but um, yeah, Lupita, I suspect, I mean, if anything, halfling seems to be the default term. Um, if, uh, If they're called anything in Gondor, they're called halflings, right? And that's what was used in the poem, right, in the song the halfling fourth shall stand. Um, so the evidence suggests that halfling is his default term. And the way that he is not using his default term halfling, and instead using the phrase little folk instead of the term halfling suggests to me that he's actually being polite here. Um, Yes, Graham. I believe that halfling is a literal translation of Perianoth, or at least that's what Perianoth just is. Elvish for halfling, it's the same thing. Yeah, Perian. Yeah, um, but um... Uh, remember Perithel, the half elven, is you know is is Cinder in for for half elven? The pair is 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 half right? So Perian is just halfling, right? Um, the half one. Um, anyway, if anything, I think he's being polite. Um, he's not using the word hobbit. Cause again, that's, that's not his language. Um, he could call them halflings, but I do vaguely think that halfling is a little bit more, uh, not necessarily actively insulting, but a little bit more so than little folk, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, and yes, he's speaking of them as a group, Bjorni, not mentioning them by name. Again, I don't see any slight there. He's referring to them as a voting block here, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, okay. So. Um, Anyway, I'm glad that was raised. I wasn't thinking about that, but it's a good question. Um, Legolas responds, I do not wish to go to Moria. Notice, therefore, the immediate fruit of Boromir's speech. In the immediate wake of Boromir's speech, he has immediately turned the question back to what Gandalf was trying to keep the question from being. The last thing he wanted to do was vote on the question, Who wants to go to Moria? Sound great, right? He doesn't want to do that, right? And what is, Legolas does not answer the question, who will follow me if I lead you there? He answers the question, "Do you? who wants to go to Moria, right? I do not wish to go to Moria. Um, now, Legolas, notice, is being a little bit elvish here. I definitely see... Um, uh, I definitely see Lagos being just a little bit yes and no here. Because um, his statement is also fairly careful. I do not wish to go to Moria. That is not the same thing as saying, I will not go, as Boromir just said, right? Um, you can easily put a but cla- clause on that statement, and say, I do not wish to go to Moria, but I will follow Gandalf if he leads us there. Right? Um, Yeah, I totally think Legolas is saying both yes and no. Um, He is admitting he does not wish to go to Moria. But of course, Gandalf has just said that isn't the question. Right? Um, And yet, so Legolas has not committed himself, though he did speak up. Um and the hobbits say nothing. Sam looked at Frodo. We know where Sam's going to vote. Right? Sam is voting however Frodo votes. And so we we see that and by the way that is so um that is such a Frodo line. Right. Um to point out, to notice that Sam immediately turns to Frodo. Right. Um <laughs> yeah. Um, Frodo echoes it. I do not wish to go, but neither do I wish to refuse the advice of Gandalf. Um, he is being uh, almost Aristorian here, uh, in how, that is to say, like Aristor back at the Council of Elrond, in being kind of Gandalf's wingman here, right? On the one hand, so he, he kind of... He, he, Frodo totally bring. Not only does he bring it back to the main question, he gathers everything back in, right? He acknowledges, yeah, like, I don't wish to go. Okay. Again, like Gandalf just said, who would, right? No, I don't wish to go. But neither do I wish to refuse the advice of Gandalf. Parentheses. Which, remember, is the question we're supposed to be responding to, right? Um... Yeah. Oh, Rowan, that's a really good observation, too. We should notice that um, Gimli and Legolas are not quite friends yet, right? We don't see any—there's nothing linking Legolas and Gimli together yet. There's nothing opposing them to each other either, right? But we see them very much not of the same mind here, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Right. Forthalus points out that technically it's Frodo who is saying both no and yes— uh, sort of, sort of, um, uh, you're right. Bill is going to be totally denied a vote. Um, but that'll be, that'll be next. And yes, Jackie, you're right. I think it was a tactical error on Boromir not to lobby the pony vote. Um, yeah, the pony block, which would clearly follow the Hobbit block, right? So maybe it was implicitly included, uh, in his appeal to the little folk. Technically, I guess Bill could be one of the little folk. Just one of the little equine folk. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quite possible. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, I beg that there should be no vote until we have slept on it. Notice, by the way, Boromir has totally won. I'm not saying that He's would win the vote. But voting, it's happening now. Right? It's happening now. There's going to be a vote. There should be no vote until we have slept on it. Gandalf will get votes easier in the light of morning than in this cold gloom. And I agree with you, Trifle. Frodo is making it very clear that he supports Gandalf. Right? Gandalf will get votes easier in the light of morning I believe, is is Frodo saying yes and no here? Yeah, in a sense he is. But he's saying yes and no. Um, What he's saying is, I'm definitely going with Gandalf, Um, but I want everybody else to go willingly. I'm not trying, I don't want to force anybody else. I'm not going to stand up and say, well, I, the i am going with Gandalf. He doesn't want to break up the company. Um, he wants to convince them to come along with Gandalf and him, right? And so he wants to delay any vote until the circumstances are more favorable, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, fourth Thauntless, I do think it means something that Frodo and Legolas are using the word wish. It's, Bo- it's Legolas who first uses that. And I do believe that Legolas is saying that in contrast to Boromir's much clearer and more forthright statement, I will not go. In response, Legolas says, I do not wish to go to Moria. That is not the same thing as saying, uh, it's answering a completely different question. And not even just getting away from Gandalf's turning of the question, right? The question, will you go and do you want to go? Do do you wish to go? Are two totally different questions. You may very well not wish to go, and yet go. And that's exactly, of course, what Frodo himself then kind of seizes on. Echoes Legolas, I do not wish to go, but neither do I wish to refuse the advice of Gandalf. Right? I see both sides of this I do not wish to go but, and then he implies pretty clearly, but I'm gonna go with Gandalf right? even though I don't wish to go so if you don't wish to go either, I understand, I don't wish to go, right, but I'm gonna go um, yeah, yeah um Dollar stroke, okay, that's interesting, you're right. Um, yeah. Oh, Two Juice Man, absolutely, hang on. Two Juice Man first, and then Dollar stroke. Two Juice Man said, Boromir certainly succeeded in getting everyone to voice their opinions, a characteristic of a good leader. Yes, and also an extremely diplomatic way to perform a coup. Right. He... If he just steps in and asserts himself and says, down with Gandalf, I move that we, like, vote Gandalf out of leadership of this company. And if he's all confrontational like that, things will get ugly, right? But if what he does is say, I'm going to suggest a sensible alternative to the plan that our leadership has put forward, right? And now let's vote. Everybody voice your opinion. And if you support me, we'll do that thing. But again, remember, he says, but if you all vote to go with him, I will come too, right? So he's not being divisive. He's just providing that opportunity. So it's especially good leadership when you are leading the opposition and want to take over and believe that many others don't think that what leader current leadership is doing uh, is a good idea, right? Um, Dollar Stroke says... Um, I just noticed that Boromir very passively said the ring bearer's voice surely should be heard and ends that with a question mark. Um, Not a period, but a question mark even following the surely, right? Yes, the ring bearer's voice surely should be heard. And again, what I would emphasize about that dollar stroke is, again, notice his entire premise. He's not making criticisms. He's not condemning anybody. All he's saying, he's just, he's the voice of reason here, right? The ring bearer's voice surely should be heard. That's a question mark at the end in order to invite basically everybody to say, yeah, surely, right? He's not just asserting even something as simple as that. The ring bearer's voice surely should be heard. That could be taken, if that were just a statement, that could be taken almost as an accusation. Like Gandalf was just trying to marginalize the ring bearer, right? No, no he says the ring bearer's voice surely should be heard. Is that not reasonable? Does, does, does does everyone not agree with that? Right. Um, yeah. So he's, again, it's, it's a, it's a great way of being low key, non-confrontational, non-divisive. He's not being divisive, even though what he's literally doing is suggesting a vote that could lead to the dividing of the company. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. A passive-aggressive mutiny. Sort of like that. So Josh is asking, does Boromir want to take over? <sighs> yes. I think he does. In two senses. Does Boromir believe that he is the best and most sensible person to lead this expedition at this point? Yes. He went along, right? Right. Went along with Gandalf, went along with Aragorn. He's seen enough, right? Okay. Yeah, we tried that. Whew. Okay. Um, Do I think he, in his own mind, believes that he is the most competent person to lead this party? I absolutely think that Boromir thinks that. What's more, I think he's got some reason to think that. I don't think it's a crazy thing for him to think. I don't think that is merely a megalomaniacal thing for him to think. I think it's a perfectly logical thing for him to think. Boromir is a good leader. He has good leadership experience, and he's been showing his, both his leadership skills and his experience throughout this time. And even the way in which he is gently and indirectly trying to take over um, suggests, to, again, show his quality, right? Um, I think he'd be a great leader, and I believe that he knows that he would be a good leader. I don't think that Boromir, um, uh, like false humility, is not a virtue, in the world that Boromir comes from. Um, so do I believe that he wants to take over in that sense? Yes, I do. Um, um, I, I, I believe that if you really forced him to confess that you gave him truth serum and said, Boromir, do you think, whom do you think gives this company the best chance of success as leader? He would say himself. Now, again, he's not quick to put that forward, you know, he's, but, but again, you like you really put him under the lights and and uh, put the fear of fire in him i, I yeah i think that that's what he's going to say um yeah yeah um yeah okay um okay let's see yeah sorry i got behind on uh, comments here so um Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, Lupita, I agree that he uh, he feels he has a sense of responsibility to the group. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, Maureen, we're almost there to slide two. We really are. Um, Okay. All right, so let's... Mm, dough. There are two things left to discuss. Let's do... Yeah, okay. The two things left to discuss are... If you pass the doors of Moria, beware and how the wind howls. Right. Uh, (laughs) Eric, you will follow me to slide two. That's good. That's good. Um, Let's talk about the wind, and let's come back to the prophecy. Um, It's too late for the prophecy. The wind and the second slide are actually quicker. Let me show you how I'm cheating with the second slide. So. We all know what's going to happen in the next paragraph, right? As Frodo says, how the wind howls, and then we get the description. At these words all fell into silent thought. They heard the wind hissing among the rocks and trees, and there was a howling and wailing round them in the empty spaces of the night. Um... Sorry, lots of people are saying that they will not go to the second slide unless the vote of the whole company is against them and that sort of thing. Um, Here's the second slide. It's cheating because it's a previous slide, in fact. Remember this? The company halted suddenly, as if they had come to an agreement without any words being spoken. They heard eerie noises in the darkness round them. It may have been only a trick of the wind in the cracks and gullies of the rocky wall, but the sounds were those of shrill cries and wild howls of laughter. Stones began to fall from the mountainside, whistling over their heads or crashing on the path beside them. Every now and again they heard a dull rumble as a great boulder rolled down from hidden heights above. We cannot go further tonight, said Boromir. Let those call it the wind who will. There are fell voices on the air, and these stones are aimed at us. I do call it the wind, said Aragorn, but that does not make what you say untrue. There are many evil and unfriendly things in the world that have little love for those that go on two legs, and yet are not in league with Sauron, but have purposes of their own. Some have been in this world longer than he. Okay. Um... It's important to remember this because, first of all, I I think that this scene is deliberately playing on on that one. We're supposed to be remembering that earlier scene here. Um, There were fell voices on the wind before. And previously, those fell voices had been um, quasi-identified with the wind right? Boromir was saying you can tell me that this howling sound is being made by the wind. I don't care. Let those call it the wind who will. I don't care who says that's just the wind. I say there are fell voices out there, right? There is something out there um, and Aragorn's like, you're totally not wrong but it's actually also totally the wind. Right? So when now they hear the wind hissing among the rocks and trees, and there is a howling and wailing round them in the empty spaces of the night, this at the very least is an excuse for why nobody prior to the next paragraph says, "Oh, y'all hear the wolves howling right on our trail um Nobody says this, right? How does nobody notice before this moment that there's the sound of wolves, right?" And the answer is well, they've been hearing howling sounds in the wind, you know, for a while, right? Remember, they are still on the knees. Well, they're near the knees of Carathras, right? Um. So, um, and yes, Bjorning, I agree that Gandalf and Boromir's debate is intense. They're not really focusing on the background noise until this until this point. Um. But we've already, we've already had this. In some ways, I think the sort of natural encounter with Karathras has, um, sort of dulled them to other possibilities. Um, there's a pack of wolves coming and you can hear them howling in the distance is, well, it's frankly mundane compared to, I think the mountain is trying to kill us. Hear him gloating? Right? Like, that's, um, that's quite different. Um, and, um, So I I think we can clearly see one thing setting us up for the next. But it also invites the sort of question. There's not just an irony, I think. Um, How the wind howls, says Frodo. That is, Frodo's calling it the wind, right? Um, We're about to hear, oh, it's, it's not the wind. But remember the entire context of that discussion. Aragorn doesn't just say, I do call it the wind, but that does not make what you say untrue. He goes on to talk about the evil and unfriendly things in the world that have little love for those that go on two legs. Um, you know, and yet are not in league with Sauron. Right. There are lots of unknown and creepily evil things abroad in Middle-earth, right? Um, and so, whoops, wrong way. That should be in our heads when Frodo is saying how the wind howls. This is not just a piece of misdirection. There is some misdirection here, right? What we're getting here is a repetition of the previous situation, but a, a quasi-reversal of it, right? Now it's, it's um, you know, it's not the wind. It's wolves in, instead of the wind, Right. Um, and that's what Aragorn is about to say. Um, but at the same time, the previous experience that the company has had, and especially again, that speech from Aragorn, when you hear howling, especially, you know, here, I mean they could Caruthers is still right there, right? They may not be on his knees. Um, but he is still right there, right? In this particular, Locale. Um, they, uh, it's hard to say that it isn't the wind at all. Like You know what I mean? So I, there's, a, there's an element of mystery that's attached here. This, I think, is one of our first gentle preparations for the fact that the wolves that are going to be attacking them are not going to be normal wolves. This is not just a wolf pack. This is not the Hobbit. Right? This is not a wolf pack that can be put off by burning pine cones. Right? Um, there's something else. There's something else happening here. Right? Um, and the, that, the question is it the wind or is it something else? Yes, it's both. Right. Was the answer before. Um, and that then becomes the kind of framework from which we understand what, um, Aragorn is about to, is going to, about to suggest. Um, oh man, leaf of starlight. Welcome, by the way, leaf of starlight. Um, yeah, I've been really looking forward to getting to the wolves. Um, man, I didn't understand the wolves for years. Not saying I totally understand them now, but I was, uh, um, I was completely spacing on the wolves for a long, long time. Um, but anyway, okay. So let's uh, we'll talk about the wolves Well, we're getting to the wolves next time. Wolves, but before. We get to wolves next time. We'll come back to Aragorn's prophecy, which I skipped. And I skipped it because I knew we would uh, spend a little time there, right? Um, So we'll begin next time by thinking more about Aragorn's foretelling to Gandalf. Um, This is an important moment, Um, but it's an important moment that's kind of detached from the rest of the conversation that's going on here. Again, that's why I didn't want to get too sidetracked with that right away. I wanted to kind of finish the discussion and what Boromir was doing and Gandalf and Boromir and Legolas and Frodo and, you know, the whole context of this conversation. Next time, we'll come back to Aragorn uh, and his foretelling. Um, All right. Um, With that, it's field trip time. Uh, thanks, everybody. I should be here next week, by the way. Um, i said that fall moot season is coming, and yet um, we're still a little bit away from it. Um, so it'll be... Um, um, I think uh, all, uh, if everything else uh, works according to plan, um, I should be here for uh, a few Tuesdays in a row. So, um, Anyway, stick around for the field trip. Those of you who... Uh, Uh, who would like to. Otherwise, Um, we will... uh, I'll see you guys next week. All right. Um, Okay. Let me... Good evening, Valori. How are you?
1: Good evening. I am doing good. Good to be back. Good. I tell you, I'm trying so hard to be charitable to Boromir on this on this new read-through, yeah. and um, he's making it so hard.
0: Hey, <laughs> you know, like... I, I like him more and more. Like, I'm totally... Like, my own experience has been, although I, I know him to be wrong, and I can see how and why he's wrong... I like am totally with his whole like argument from the beginning, basically. Oh, Uh-oh. did I lose you? Okay, yeah, there we go. Sorry. Yeah, there we go. We are back. A little back. Discord, hang up there. Sorry, was, okay.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I missed it. What was it?
0: <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. I was anyway. What I was saying was, I think that although Boromir. Like I see that Boromir is wrong at all uh, at all points. Um, yet I totally agree with him at every step along the way. Right. Like I can I absolutely see Boromir's argument. Like it, it really it not only holds together, it's like it holds together and is admirable. Um Anyway, I, I love it. I
1: guess it. it's just, it's one of those things where we've already decided we can't go south. We can't go to the mountains. We can't go back to Rivendell. So really, all he's doing is just making sure that when everything goes wrong, he can say, I was right. This was a bad idea. It's like, that's all I feel he's contributing to this, honestly.
0: Right. No, I so I hear that on the one hand. But at the same time, um, I think that he is, I mean... He's not. So, yeah, by the way, we are going to Skurlock Farm. It's our last trip to Skurlock oh, yeah, yeah. Farm. Last one. Our last trip to Skurlock Farm, and we are going to take the road to Tharbad. We're going to end in Tharbad itself today and find a milestone there. All right. Yes. As today, we say fond farewell to Skurlock Farm. All right. right. All right. Um, anyway, all right. So let's take off down the road. Um, anyway, yeah. So, like, he's... Because, um, see, I think he's being way more constructive than you're giving him credit for. Like, he's offering a valid alternative. I mean, what he certainly believes to be a valid alternative. And... What's more, he's doing so in a... a, He's been very carefully non-disruptive the whole time. Like, he's not being... um, You know, he's not undermining um, Gandalf openly. He's not challenging Gandalf openly. He's not criticizing Gandalf openly. But he's now uh, offering a positive alternative. Um, He doesn't have no plan. He is offering a plan. And and from what he sees, it's completely... um, it's, it's a completely sensible one, right? Let's take the Gap of right. Rohan. That's what you do. Eh.
1: Yeah, But Gandalf went through the, took the trouble to explain to him why this was a bad idea and why Moria was necessary. And it's like, it, it's, it's just, it's just his lack of imagination. He never once thinks, what if I'm wrong about it?
0: Right. He never well does. But see, Gandalf didn't convince him. I mean, yeah, Gandalf it's says. True,
1: but when has, he, when has he been convinced so far? We should, oh, like, we'll, we'll never, but that's because nobody yeah.
0: makes good arguments. Look, how did Gandalf say, what, <laughs> what, what did Gandalf say about the gap of, gap of Rohan? He just said, uh, the gap is closed to us while we go with the bearer. Well, that's like your opinion, man. You know, like... Well, like,
1: did you fall asleep at the part where I told you that Sour man is now, like, not our friend anymore? Did right, you, which is what he says. Somehow?
0: But again, I think, you know, and this is where, as we were talking before... Um, it seems fairly clear that um, Boromir doesn't really consider Saruman as big a threat as yeah you know as as Gandalf does. Um, whether it's an underestimation of Saruman or whether it's an overestimation of um, Rohan, you know their the strength of their allies. Okay, hang on a second. Or, so as we're coming down this road, yeah. Yeah, um, okay. Here we go we've we just passed so we just went under we're going now under Karnast yeah there it is okay yeah um so the we just came to the intersection from where the road curls around to the south entrance to Karnast there um and okay so this would be this would have been a really grandiose approach. Like on the one hand, it's a really roundabout approach. You've got to ride all the way around the city to get there, but Mm -hmm. you can also like look up and admire it on the rocks up here. I mean, this would would have been a a lovely, you know, skyline, right? As you would have been coming around here. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's definitely, that. that's intentional for
0: sure. I think, I mean, it looks like it. Right. And so when we're getting things like these ruins, um, this uh, little colonnade here. And then we've got another ruin. Those are just rocks. But there's another ruin up here. Yeah, this was probably... uh, This was probably like a 7-Eleven, I think. Uh, Most likely, yeah. yeah, a little truck stop on the way, right? A little, uh, um, I mean, it seems to have probably been a tower. Well, this part mm-hmm. was round anyway. Um, Yeah.
1: And, well, you're right in the view of uh, the big building up there, so it's a rather safe place to, to spend the night, I should think. If yeah. These guys are your friends.
0: Exactly. So it's, a, but you know, it's, you're still on the way to the main city and it's going to be a while, but, um, but yeah, this is the visitor center. Exactly. Yeah. That's, good. Just,
1: yeah, just, that's
0: just what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's like the rest area, uh, on the way. Um, uh, now this stone wall though is fascinating mm.
1: because this stone
0: wall is clearly not old. They didn't build stone walls like this in old Arnor. No. Hobbit. This is a modern stone wall, yeah. like yeah. modern as in in the last thousand years. Yeah. Right.
1: Where did where did they get the stone? Like, did they dig it up and it just grassed over? Because it is mossy, so it's you know, I'd I'd hazard a guess. You know, at long enough for the grass to grow back, if they were digging out here, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, it suggests to me that somebody tried farming around here. Yeah, yeah. At least, like, as a New Englander, that's what I think. Because, like, you know, New England has tons of stone walls like this all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah. You even come across really old ones that are, you know, totally overgrown, like, and that used to divide property that is now like just forest, you know, woods now. Um, But, um, uh, but of course, you they're all over the place up here. In New England, because the ground is so rocky, you can't farm it without like one single plot of land would unearth at least this many rocks. And you have to yeah. do something with them. So you make walls out of them. You know, property demarcations and things like that. Um, oh,
1: yeah. Ireland's the same way. Same thing. The soil's so yeah.
0: rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So... Um, uh, so... The... I would say that this wall looks to me like Skurlock Farm era. Mm hmm. Rather than any of the either like Old Arnor or Cardowan So,
1: what time happened period. to the farm then?
0: Well, I don't know. Like, See, but that's, did that's it what burn I'm down thinking. Like, who would build? That's why I was so interested in this wall. I'm like, there's no evidence of anything else. Cause like we're pretty far from Herna, which is one of the biggest modern settlements. Yeah. In this area, Skirlock Farm was one of the only. I mean, there was other two kind of burned out farms or farms that are always burning down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so there were a couple people who were living out in this direction. But uh, but I I agree. Like I see nothing around here that suggests um, any modern occupation. But clearly it was. But I mean, this could be from 250 years ago. You know true. Eas- easily. If they built mold.
1: something out of wood and thatch, it probably would have burnt melt, you know, exactly. fallen apart or molded or got burnt yeah, down. Yeah, there,
0: there could be very little evidence now left.
1: Fell over, sank into the swamp.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> if I was smart, I'd use those stone walls that are already over there and add on. But
0: uh, Well, you'd think, right? I mean, I could certainly, if I were to build a house here, you know, a farm, I, I might start with these walls here, you know. Uh, but you know, build them on the old welcome, welcome center. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, um, oh, and here's another one that keeps going. Uh, we're
1: coming across a big walled sort of uh, recess here, I guess.
0: Oh yeah, we got. Hey, a bridge. it's a bridge. Yeah, and we it works. Hmm. And a hoop. Still in one piece. Oh, it works. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. huge too. It's bigger. Than, yeah. I thought from up here. I did. I, I paused for a second to look at the wall because we get this other stone wall. The fact that they're lining the road with the stone wall is the thing that I'm finding so strange.
1: Huh? Or if it's a yeah. Okay. Or if there was some sort of road upkeep that was done out here.
0: Yeah. Well. Okay. So theory this is the road that leads, as we know, because we just came down it, um, to Scurlock Farm and the other farms that were, you know, up there in the South Downs. So this is like the road to the South Downs Mm
1: -hmm.
0: from Androth here. And we know that there are people, like the people who live in Harna, right? Yeah. Um, So there is a population center, modern population center down here. And then Mm -hmm. there's not exactly a population center, but there's you know, the South Downs where some people live up there. And so there would <laughs> yeah. be trade along this road mm-hmm. over this very nice and still very solid bridge. Um, And this bridge is going to take you, well, not quite straight to Herna, but pretty close, right? I mean, it's a good yeah. way to get where you need to go there. Certainly better than going all the way up through the ruins of Karanost. Oh, yeah. Um, Though, I mean, that's a viable route too and it's not over... Uh, goblins over, overrun with goblins, right? Exactly, but still, uh, in general, it would work. But this is more convenient. Um, it's a lower, easier road, um, fewer hills, fewer stairs, which you don't really want. with, with your horses. pony wagon, yeah, wider. Um, so that this would be a significant route for even the modern residents of the Cardillon area makes sense. Mm-hmm that they would erect their own little two-bit walls alongside the the old road under the shadow of all of these ancient and very imposing ruins is kind of interesting. It's almost like defiant, right? Like, darn it, we're here too.
1: Yeah, you almost, you almost feel like it's a tradition. You walk around here, if you see any good rocks, you just sort of pick them up, and when you get to the wall, you just plop them on there.
0: Like, yeah, maybe.
1: That's part of your road maintenance.
0: Yeah, see, I think that this would have been, okay, so here's, this is, we're in the, like, little, not island, but we're the little angle here, right, of the two rivers. And mm-hmm. Karanast is up there, but it's invisible from here. So if we're coming up, like, most of your traffic up to Karanast is going to come from, um, at least a big portion of it, going to come from Tharbad, right? Yep. So if we imagine ourselves, so we, we, we've got these two really nice, impressive bridges.
1: With really pretty columns between them. Yeah,
0: and in between them we got these big columns. I bet there were arches over oh, the yeah. road, right? So mm-hmm. we, we're going to come along the bridge, and we're going to be like, "Oh, coming through these like big triumphal arches!"
1: Oh, it's almost um, like a—it's a, like a, a man version of, uh, of the the elvish one between the that and Moria between.
0: Yes, exactly. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah, and this is, um, you know, a nice little side place where you could like put a cinnabon or something like that on the way. Anyway, but like it's oh, going to yeah, be impressive, a right?
1: Definitely yeah. a marketplace
0: along here. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So this would be an impressive stretch, and then you come to, th- and then, ta-da! you know, there's oh, the yeah. beautiful city of Karnasto <laughs> oh, I mean, look at this view as you come out. There's the whole thing, right, from all the Sound way the bubble. top part of the city up on the top of the hill, and then the the beautiful bridge, and then the resort center with the outdoor swimming pool, right down in the, and for anyway, the whole spectacle of the city is spread out oh, around yeah. you yeah have before that's pretty you.
1: impressive gotta say
0: yeah so i okay. think that this whole got my approach teachers, was designed my to impress.
1: Nuts from the market i'm having a good time
0: yeah exactly and then you
1: immediately head for the visitor center to wash up and and get ready to go to, yeah. on your next jaunt to the big castle
0: oh roasted nuts you're totally right that's exactly what they would have been selling there yeah cinnamon roasted nuts
1: cinnamon roasted nuts. I can practically
0: smell it here as we drive as, oh, yeah. as we ride through here again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Smells like a cookie and eats like a steak.
0: Totally agree. Yeah. I almost never buy cinnamon roasted nuts when I'm in a city, mostly because I feel like it can't possibly taste as good as it smells. So I don't want to be disappointed.
1: But it always does. It always <laughs> does taste as good as it smells. That's the thing.
0: That's the, that's, I, I missed, that's the. I miss. the danger. Being in
1: England, yeah. No, it really is because you'll go through a yeah. whole bag in two seconds. But yeah. I, I miss England. We had the, the hot chestnut roasting. They'd have the one oh, man grills chestnuts with roasted chestnuts outside that's of the just, museum on a on a cold day. Living.
0: Yeah.
1: Just before Christmas, like I, I, there's nothing like that in the States.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. See, look there in the distance, you can see Harner from here, right?
1: Or you're listening to a podcast about habits and you don't want us to talk about food.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um,
1: it's not an official outro stream unless you do talk about food. <laughs> from right. Standing Stone directly.
0: Okay. Yes. There you go. See
1: next week we talk about poached eggs.
0: Yeah. So I think, um, I think that, cause here's another one of those stone walls. I, I I mean, again, I'm increasingly thinking that they're they're, f- they're they're aware, right? Like the modern residents around here and the modern travelers of this road th- there's this like um, cultural peer pressure on them that they are perceiving even if they don't identify it, you know, mm-hmm. that like this is the, this was the fancy road. And notice how now they're getting closer together. they are th- Three of those little stone walls in a row, right here. Four, like this entire road is lined first on one side and then on the other. With As we get towards the intersection to Herna, right? This is uh, the closer we get to Herna now. Herna is the modern city, which is clearly like very impressive from a modern perspective. Like it's the, by far the biggest town or settlement we've seen down here, right? Mm-hmm. Nice um, flora,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So as we get closer, now we're approaching, we're approaching Herna and, uh, and they're, you know, again, it's not as impressive. Right. And they didn't even bother to put out any cinnamon roasted nuts, but, um, but still, like, I think that there's not that they're overtly competing, like we're going to be just as fancy as the people in the olden days, but there seems to be this like, uh, I don't know, sort of tacit acknowledgement of that sort of, uh, you know we're gonna fancify our roads like our approach too this is not gonna be um
1: yeah it seems yeah. more like a like a gentle reminder of demarcation yeah
0: yeah that although too. you can
1: see some places where it is more practical like it's up against the sharp rocks or it's up against the steep banks of the river and then it gives way to the gentle approach to to the water
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so um, Probably
0: a mix of function and form. Yeah. All right, but or, we're like not gonna just up one of those. You know.
1: the, the way the ground slopes, your your cattle tend to list to one side, so there's <laughs> yeah, some rocks.
0: Right. <laughs> right. But they never put the they never put the the wall on both sides. Um. It's
1: almost like they're leaving a fire escape or something.
0: Yeah, it's a kind of guardrail. Oh yeah, here I am. It's gonna keep me With on. The sharp the, keep me on. The, keep me from. Driving my cart down uh, into the swamp over there. Yeah, I know. Is that. Where are we looking now? Okay, we're just looking. There are some. I know we explored down into that region down there in the. What's it called? Ruddy Moor? Uh, southern yeah, parts of the Ruddy um, Moor. Mm-hmm. I was just seeing there's a column over there, but I think we've already, we've already explored yeah, those think, areas. Yeah, I think so. The flowers are lovely.
1: Mm hmm what time of year is it out here it's summer
0: yeah because we've gone back in time to like the beginning of the fellowship right?
1: that's right because it leans up against the troll shaws, which is fall yeah this would be like late this would be like late summer
0: yeah um right yes Nancy exactly then we see the skyscrapers in the distance right yeah. yeah. It's a uh, serious first, error on those. First we get another one of those like hunting lodges, right?
1: Wow, that one that one took some damage.
0: Yeah. We'll go over there in a second. I'm just wanting to follow the natural trend of the oh. road here. Yeah, that oh is not goodness.
1: burnt out. That is like a Minecraft TNT attack.
0: Well, okay. All right. We are clearly approaching the ruins of Tharbad.
1: Wow, ruins is right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is the first of the ruins that we've seen. Large-scale ruins. That looks like it was burned. Yeah. It looks like it was destroyed by fire. Let's go over to this uh, near bank first. No. It's getting late. Let's find a milestone. And then we'll we'll explore outwards. We're not gonna try to do all of Tharbad in one evening.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. I I gotta be an early bird tomorrow.
0: Exactly. Okay, we'll we'll we are entering Tharbad. This is the moment. Tharbad Through the gates of Tharbad. Ooh, foggy
1: and misty. And we got some holly trees. Is that what those are? Those look like ilex trees.
0: Huh, maybe. Or maybe they... Is that fruit or flowers? Flowers.
1: No, I think no, those are berries. holly berries. Yeah, it's yeah, a holly tree. Yeah, they do look like berries. Yeah. You're telling us okay. we're getting close to Moria and, and the region.
0: Oh, we don't get a Tharbad map? Oh, man.
1: Ooh. I was hoping we'd
0: get a Tharbad dedicated map. Oh man! Look at all this.
1: That is amazing. It's the dome shapes. Are certainly yeah. intriguing. It's almost like Anger Watt. Okay,
0: it looks
1: a little Eastern in style. Um, watch okay. the Am joke beyond on us, and the there be
0: this? there be no. Uh, Milestones in Tharbad. Are there any milestones Aren't, in Tharbad?
1: Not in Tharbad itself, but there is one back behind us if you see. Oh, on back the, map, on the where, where the, the stable, stable master, master is? Master. Mm-hmm. Okay. There.
0: Okay. Alright. Well hang on, first things first. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the need to um to Eat lose yourself. my horse at Tharbad. Isn't that traditional?
1: Yes, yeet yourself, sir.
0: I think I have to off the bridge. Oh, no! I lost my horse at Tharbad. Ah, that's very satisfying.
1: Ugh. Now we need a new t-shirt to make up.
0: Yes, I lost my horse at Tharbad.
1: I apparently didn't. That was unsatisfying.
0: You didn't? Your horse survived?
1: Yep, I'm still on my horse.
0: Oh, what, did you hit a rock or something?
1: Yeah, might have been it better. He's just a really sturdy guy. Well, considering what this war steed through, probably. Oh, you did a war steed. That's why. Yeah.
0: Oh, I see. Right.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that'll do her.
0: Okay. So, so yeah, so we'll head back. We'll get to the um, and that's actually good because I was going to start on the north bank up here anyway. Um, so we'll, um, Yeah, we'll go back up to the Stable Master, hit the milestone. Follow the and bear. We'll call if you have following the bear.
1: Antes the orso.
0: I guess I could get my other horse. I lost that horse, so... I'll <laughs> get my other horse. <laughs> Fortunately, I carry a spare horse in my pocket. Yeah, like you do. Yup, yup, yup.
1: Oh, here we go. Completed, inhabitants of the vanished realm.
0: Whoa, hmm. you completed it! Oh, what is that? Hang on. I left my it? horse and my other Swan, pants. F- Swanfleet and Cardolan. Yeah. Inhabitants of the vanished realm. Oh, just finding all the spots of interest. Uh,
1: yeah, in we tend to region? do that.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah, those deeds we do tend to complete more or less accidentally. Okay. Hello, stable I wouldn't master. Say it's
1: accidental if we make a point of visiting them.
0: Well, I suppose that's true. Okay, and then out oh, there is our new milestone which will be our milestone for a bit. Thank you, Scarlet right. Farm. Farewell, Scarlet Farm. Okay.
1: Hello,
0: Tharbad. Excellent. All right. So here we are in Tharbad. Um, we'll explore the North Bank here. Then we'll go into Tharbad proper. Look around as well as we can. After that, we can head into Swan Fleet. And back to Eregion, though we might have to shortcut. Go back to Eregion if we... The wolf encounter, of course, is what I've been waiting for. Maybe I'll wait till we get actually through the gates of Moria and into Moria itself, and then we'll go back and do the rest of Eregia in there. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, you're right. I Lost My Horse at Tharbad would be a really cool t-shirt. Like, a really excellent one of those, like like obscure references that only really dedicated fans would get and is so yeah. obscure that you wouldn't get like hit for trademark infringement.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll see what I can do. That sounds great. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That would be uh, on that. That, would, that would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, thanks everybody. We will uh, we'll see what we have here literally right around us here and then, um, uh, move into Tharabad next time. Thanks everybody. And, uh, we will should see you guys next week. All right. Good night. Bye now. Good night.